This is the Pariah Podcast, written and read by me, Philip Carroll. This is episode 12, A Fox in the Hen House. Keel? He recognized the voice, and it sounded concerned. Bree? What's the problem? Gilna Panderstash didn't follow protocol, and he went to, you know, you know, and he didn't take a companion. Vard, the perimeter guard, heard a noise and found him. He's not moving, and Vard thought he saw blood. Have someone bring some water and a rag and take me to him, Keo said, rolling out of his blanket and pulling on his boots. Outside his tent, he twisted open the door of his lantern, blew onto the wick, and poured in more oil. Bree hurried back with one of her link members and stood at the edge of the lantern light. She led Keo to the fallen boy. They found him on the far edge of their camp, with nothing but open countryside beyond. He lay face down in the dewy spring grass. Help me roll him over, careful of his neck and head. The boy who had brought the bucket, Bree, and the girl who had waited with Gilner helped Keo roll their unconscious core member over. Is he dead? the girl asked. I don't think so. Here, hold the lantern close to his face, Keo said, handing her the lantern. In the weak light, Keo only saw half of the boy's face. That side glimmered, wet and red with blood. Gilner squinted, and his cheek twitched when the light shone on his face. Give me that wet rag. The boy dipped it into the bucket and handed it to Keo, water dripping into the ankle-high grass. Keo wiped it across Gilner's face, wetting his hair and pushing it back over the boy's head. He carefully tipped the boy's head from side to side and found a deep cut over his left ear. Here, wet it again, Keo said, handing the rag back. He washed clotted blood and debris from Gilner's hair and brought the lantern in close again. The gash in his scalp was jagged and uneven. I think someone clobbered him with a rock, Keo said, looking up at the sky. The cut's not bleeding, so it must have happened a while ago. It figures they'd hit us when we we're deepest asleep. We need two more pairs of hands to get him to the healer's wagon. Get someone big, Bree. She stood looked around, and charged through the tents. Shandri, go tell the guards I want them to wake an extra guard each and walk the perimeter, evenly spaced. I don't want anyone rushing in here after we take Gilner to the healer. But have them stay on the perimeter, no exploring in the dark. Bree had run ahead to wake the healer, who was just rising from his bed in the wagon when they brought Gilner to him, supported across the linked arms of two sets of boys. They laid him carefully on the stone-paved road. The healer cursed about something rotting, but Keo couldn't make out the object. One of you stay. The rest are crowding too much, the healer said. Keo looked to Bree, tipping his head to her. She in turn patted one of the boys on the shoulder and said, We'll send someone to relieve you when we wake the camp. The others hurried back in silence. Keel followed the perimeter of the camp, taking reports from those who challenged him properly and chastising those who didn't. But I knew it was you by the way you walked, one guard complained. It doesn't matter. 
If I had been an enemy who walked like me, it would have been too late by the time you realized that. The ones you should challenge first are those who you think you know. Keo took his lantern back to where Gilner had been hit. With all the activity around his fallen body, it was hard to tell anything from the trampled grass. He found the rock which had been used on Gilner. He lifted it and tried to toss it in the air. He could do it, but it was heavy and difficult to heft. Not everyone was as strong as him. Whoever had attacked the boy had to have come right up on him to hit him so accurately. Keo dropped the rock, turned back to his camp, and waited for them to wake and prepare for the day. When the sky lightened enough for him to inspect the grass around the site of the attack, Keo's fear was realized. Tracks through the new spring grass were easily identifiable as the tender blades were slow to recover. In addition, dew had fallen during the night and was shaken from the blades by passing feet, further emphasizing the trail. The attacker hadn't come from outside the camp, but from within. Keo chose to skip breakfast that morning and stood in the very spot where Gilner had fallen. He stood at his ease, hands behind his back, feet spread shoulder-width apart, nothing moving but his eyes. He watched the trainees rise, tear down their tents, go to breakfast, and return to pack their gear. He watched each as a mother watches her children for evidence of who ate the missing piece of pie. The culprit, the spy, the rotting traitor had to be someone close to the perimeter, close to where Gilner slept someone who might even have known how often the boy rose in the night and when, someone who was strong enough and tall enough to bring the rock down with enough force and at the right angle to do the job. Potentially there were four. Likely there was only one. Even with the morning's confusion, they were the first complete corps in the staging area. Kia waited to move them into the parade he took the opportunity to talk to his people. If you haven't heard already, they hit us again last night, or rather, this morning. Gilner Panderstash got knocked on the head with a rock, and he's in the healer's wagon. Tonight, I will retaliate like none of them expect. I will not simply stand by and let someone terrorize the people in my command. I'll formulate the plan while we march this morning and share it with the link leaders at lunch. I'm sure each of you would want to help seek revenge, but the way you can help best is if you act like nothing has happened, and like nothing will happen. If I need any extra help, I'll have the link leaders inform who that will be. Link leader Oakley, when we form up on the highway, come talk with me. He marched them onto the paved highway, positioned them five paces behind the preceding corps, and put them at ease. Leader Oakley, Thank you for your quick thinking and assistance this morning, he said loud enough for anyone close by to hear when Bree had approached. Come with me. They walked off the highway and several yards into the grass and wildflowers. What's the matter? Bree asked. I need your help, he said and faced south to watch as the other corps formed up along the road. I have a strong suspicion of who attacked Gilner. I can hardly bring myself to say it out loud, but it has to be someone from our own corps. No, that couldn't be. 
We're all loyal to you and our corps, she said. Kia watched her face as she spoke and found her believable. I worked it out this morning. There were no tracks through the dew and the grass outside our camp where anyone could have snuck in from another corps. It had to be someone nearby, someone who knew Gilner. Not from my link, then? she asked. No, if I guess right, the boy is in Poltice's link. I can't imagine why anyone in our own corps would do it, other than to make points with Storgant. All I know for sure is that it wasn't you or Beecham, because that rock was so heavy you'd have to be nearly as big as me to bring it down hard enough to do the damage that Gilner took. What do you want me to do? Get Beecham alone sometime, when it looks natural. I don't want anyone to think you're spying on them. Fill Beecham in and get her to help keep an eye on the core. We need to watch for whomever slips away to talk with Storgant. Remember, keep the closest eye on Poltice's link. Here comes the lieutenant. You better get back into formation. And thanks again. I know I can depend on you. Thank you, Colita Noshane, she said and hurried back to her link. The lieutenant stepped into Bree's place and said, Thanks for sending me notice this morning about Gilner. Why didn't you come yourself? I had work to do, sir. My corps was in shambles from the invasion. They needed my encouragement, my level head, and reassurance. You're the biggest liar I've ever met, Noshani. Lieutenant, how can you say that? Keo asked, acting hurt but still smiling. What were you doing back in your camp that was so important, after getting Gilner to the healer, that you couldn't come yourself? I wanted to get a good look at the area around the attack before anyone messed it up too much. What did you find? Not much. Just the rock used to bash in Gilner's head, and that was too big for most of the girls to lift high enough to do the damage it did. Half the boys couldn't do that either. So, who do you think did it? I don't know. You're lying again, Noshani. I can see it in your eyes when you're covering something up, Hitchmaker said. Okay, I'll tell you this. I think Storgand is behind it, but I think he used someone in my own corps. I don't want to accuse one of my guys if I'm not absolutely sure. I've set out some bait that I think this rat is going to take, and if I'm right, I won't kill him. I'll come straight to you. You're a pain in my backside, Corps Leader Noshani, the lieutenant said. If you don't come to me first, I'm going to bust you down to the lowest nobody no one has ever heard of. If I don't come right to you, it will be because I'm killing him, and that is not part of my destiny. You and your destiny, Hitchmaker said and walked away. At the lunch break... Keo held them for a few minutes before releasing them to eat. I have a plan in mind to retaliate against those who have been harassing us. You don't need to worry about anything. The link leaders and I will take care of it. If we need others, your link leaders will talk to you. You're dismissed. Link leaders, wait here for a moment. When they gathered close so that none of the others could hear, he told them, we're going to kidnap one of their core members and hold them for ransom. It's not unreasonable. We won't hurt them. We'll just keep who we take until we get a promise that they'll leave us alone. That's all we want, isn't it? They all nodded their heads. 
How are we going to decide which one to take? Stankner asked. I think they came from behind our camp, out in the bush, Keogh said. That's the only way they could have gotten Gilner. So, we're going to cross the highway, move up the road to where Vangel's core is set up. We'll wait behind the food wagons. We'll just grab the first one who gets close to us. They won't see us that far out in the dark, with their central lanterns all set up together. How does that sound? Good, I guess. But it might be a bit risky, don't you think? Hiding right there on the road and waiting behind the food wagon? Beecham asked. No, that's the beauty of it. On the highway is the last place they'll expect an attack. And that's the last place they'll be watching. Yeah, I like it, Stankner said. What time? A quarter after midnight, Keo said, folding his arms and turning to Bree. I don't want to risk you girls, so Beecham and Oakley, pick a boy from your links and send them to me instead. Someone you trust, and have them to us behind the command tent at midnight. Why do we have to miss out? Trainee Oakley asked, sounding offended. Girls can do just as well in night operations as boys can. We think and act just as quickly. In fact, foster and more clearly in a lot of cases. I don't want any back talk, Oakley. Understand? You need to take your orders and follow them like a good soldier. We're not soldiers. We're creature handlers, Oakley muttered, scowling and turning her back on Keo. Okay, let's get to lunch, Keo said, with a last look down the highway. Bree caught up to Keo, her hands clenched into fists. Keo walked slowly until they were a good distance behind the others. Oakley, Keo said, without turning to face her, I want you and Beecham in camp, because I know I can trust you. I can't take all the link leaders into a possibly dangerous or catastrophic situation. I can't leave Poltice or Stankner behind. I need to keep both of them close by. Right now is the time that our informant would want to warn Vangled, so keep your eyes open. As the corps formed up in the staging area, Kia was talking with Poltice and Stankner. When the two female link leaders approached, Beecham said, under her breath, but loud enough for the other two boys to hear, We want to talk to you about our assignment tonight. Oakley stood with her hands on her hips and nodded her head emphatically. Stankner said with a low laugh, Now you're in trouble. Keo nodded his head while rolling his eyes and said, Come, ladies, let's have a private talk. They walked far away from the core before Beecham spoke again. It was Stankner. We both saw him sneaking around behind the food wagon while Vangel's core was filling their plates. Stick spoke to one of their core for several minutes. Thanks. I have to admit, I'm a little surprised. But if Vangled is as quick to take the bait as Stankner apparently was, we'll be doing fine. Storgan's not gullible, but he is arrogant, Beecham said. He'll think he's too smart for it to be a trap. That evening, after the timekeeper and the food wagon chimed midnight, Keogh and four boys drew on cloaks and blended with the night. Let's go. Keo said. But there's been a change of plans. We're going to sneak around from behind. Come on, follow me. But Keo, do you think that's a good idea? Poltice asked. Won't they be expecting us from that side? They shouldn't be expecting us at all. So it really doesn't matter which side we choose. If it doesn't matter, why don't we stick to the original plan? 
Stankner asked. I told you before, sometimes I let my destiny carry me. It's like a river. Relax and let the current take you where we need to go. Everything will work out just as it should. Keo didn't wait and crept out into the brush past the camp's perimeter. Crouching low, they slinked slowly past the other two corps' perimeters to avoid alerting them they were outside their camp boundaries. They averted their eyes from the central lanterns in each camp to maintain their night vision until they were equal with the last corps of their company, Vangel's Corps. Come on, let's go, Keo said, standing erect and walking directly toward the lights. Where, where are you going? the others whispered. Come on, guys. If you act like you belong somewhere, more times than not, people will let you walk right in. Watch this. Keo strode forward. He reached the perimeter guard. He smiled and waved at him, turned back to his companions and said, Get over here. When he saw them following his lead, he turned back to the central lanterns and walked on without slowing. He shrugged and smiled at the perimeter guards, motioning with his thumb toward the four behind him, and strode on to the central guards sitting by the lanterns. Keo heard his link leaders and substitutes walk up behind him, and he said, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We thought we'd pay you a visit. A man sat in a camp chair a short distance away, between the camp and the highway. He had his back to them, until he rose and turned. Corps leader Noshani, what brings you here? Lieutenant Hitchmaker asked. Sir, Keo said, a pleasant surprise. We've come to abduct Corps leader Vangled, but I don't see him about. Is he in his tent? Abduct a Corps leader, Noshani, the lieutenant asked. We have rules against that kind of thing. You could be in a lot of trouble. I know, Keo said with his trademark shrug. I don't see him around, so it's probably a moot point anyway. Noshani, what's going on? A guard from Vangold's corps asked. His own corps members murmured similar questions from behind him. Poltai stepped forward and pointed at Keo. Lieutenant, it wasn't our idea. It was all Noshani's idea. And what was your idea, Poltai's? Keo asked, telling our plans to Vangled and his corps so that he would give you some kind of reward when I got relieved from my command? No, I didn't. I don't know what you're talking about, Poltice protested. You don't? Keo asked, surprised. I'm pretty sure I saw you speak to Vangled and his leaders at lunch today, after I told you my plan to attack on the road, near the food wagons. If I'm correct about you, we should find Storgan and his bullies crouching on the side of those wagons over there. Shall we go take a look? No, you're making this up. It doesn't matter what those guys are doing. I didn't have anything to do with it. Let's go look, Link Leader Poltice, Lieutenant Hitchmaker said. Your Corps Leader also thinks it was you who hit Gilner with the rock. If that's true, you're in some serious trouble. The Lieutenant led the way, but as they got close to the food wagon, he stepped to the side of the road and waved the boys ahead. Keel was right. Vangled and three of his link leaders crouched behind the wheel of the wagon, watching across the street as if waiting to jump out on someone. So, Vangled, Keo called to the boy crouching at the front wheel, what are you doing out here in the dark? The skinny kid jumped, spun around, and faced Keo. Waiting for you, Noshani, the corps leader said, peering into the darkness. He took a step forward, then jabbed his finger at Poltice and said, you lied to us. You said he was coming right up the road. 
Vangel made a fist and took another step toward Poltice. Keo stepped in front of Poltice and asked, Did you tell him to kill one of our Corps members, or was that his own idea? The lieutenant approached and said, It sounds like there was a lot of conversing going on between you two, Corps leader Vangled. What did you tell Link leader Poltice, and what did he tell you? Oh, lieutenant, Storgan said and cleared his throat. He didn't tell me anything. What are you doing here by the wagon? Hitchmaker asked. We're just having a council meeting, Vangold said. At half of one after midnight? I don't think you should be. You should be in your tents, the lieutenant said. No, well, we were in our camp and thought we heard something down here. We only just got here and we were trying to see what it was, Vangold said. No, Corps leader Vangold, Lieutenant Hitchmaker said. I've been sitting in your camp since before midnight was sounded. Try another explanation. They're waiting for us to come by, Poltice said. They were going to attack us. I told them we would be crossing the highway here, and they did tell me to hurt someone, to stir things up and make Noshani more reasonable. You're a liar, Poltice. I never told you anything, Vangold said. Okay, it wasn't you. It was one of your link leaders, Poltice said. He huffed rapid breaths and made fists with his hands. Do you see that link leader here? These are my four link leaders, Vangold said. No. But, but, but I know you sent him to tell me what to do, Poltice said as if he was in a pit and the rest of them were shoveling dirt on top of him. We'll figure this out in the morning, Corps leader Vangled. Get your people back into their tents like they're supposed to be. Poltice, you're coming with me. We have some details to sort out, and I can't see them pointing anywhere but to a lot of trouble for you. Noshani, get your people to bed as well. I want you and Vangled in my tent at one before the sixes and not a second later. Come on, Poltice. Keo and his four were heading away when he heard Vangled shout at him. You really put your foot in it this time, Noshani? No, Vangled, Keo said only loud enough for his own core members to hear. I put my feet right where I planned them. Most of the camp was awake when they got back. Keo stepped forward and said, Poltice was the one who hit Gilner with the rock. He was spying for Vangled. I'm sorry that rotting designate third got one of ours to work for him. I'm sorry I'm too trusting. And still, I don't believe there are any others, or I hope there aren't. Anyway, if some of you aren't happy with the way I do things, come tell me before clobbering someone on the head. Now get to sleep. There's a lot of ground to travel tomorrow, and none of it will be easy. Keo lay on his cot but he didn't sleep. The following day, the entire battalion remained camped as Major Jurelian and his council questioned all involved. Poltice's contact was found, a trainee named Bronzecombe, and would only admit to telling Poltice to stir things up for Keogh, cause confusion, rough someone up a little. He claimed he had never implied that he should actually hurt anyone, Bronscombe refused to admit he was taking orders from his corps leader until the major pointed out if he was taking orders, his punishment would be less and possibly not include reassignment to the Civil Service Corps. Yes, I told him to rough things up in camp, but I didn't tell him to hurt anyone, the trainee whined. It was orders from Vangold. He wants to keep Noshani in the back of the formation. He figured if he could make them slower in the morning, they wouldn't have a chance to get to the lead. Is that why you scalded trainee Clanchette's hand? Lieutenant Hitchmaker asked. I don't know anything about that. The only thing I was told was to get to Poltice and give him that message. 
Corleader Vangled, Hitchmaker said. According to Corleader Noshani, you told him to watch his back that someone could get hurt or put her hand where it shouldn't be. I never said that, Vangled said. I told him to watch out, that I wouldn't want him to have an accident. He might get hurt. He's conceited beyond belief, and he's always making things up to make himself look better than the rest of us. I think we already established who the liar is here, court leader, Major Jurelian said, and I think I've heard enough to make my decisions. Everyone but my officers should leave as we discuss our findings. Keo and his link leaders stood to one side of the assembly area, set up outside the major's tent. Vangled and his stood as far away from Keo as they could. Pultai stood by himself between the two groups, with his head hanging down. Shortly before the dinner hour, the officers left the tent. As a result of our findings and discussion, the following will occur. For assaulting a fellow trainee, trainee Poltice will return to the selection camp to serve one year in the stockade. After that time is up, he will be turned over to the Civic Service Corps to complete his king's service. For mischief resulting in the injury of a fellow trainee, Trainee Bronscomb will be given extra duty for the remainder of the parade. For behavior unbecoming of Corps officers, Corps leader Vangled and his four link leaders will be demoted to regular trainees for the remainder of the parade, and new leaders will be selected in their place. Those mentioned will remain here. All others are dismissed. Keo and his three remaining link leaders walk back to their camp in silence. I'm sorry, Keo. Bree said, when they were still a ways off from their camp. I was thinking this would resolve the fight between us and the other corps, but it feels like we're worse off now. I know what you mean, Keo said. I knew we had someone in our group who was working against us, and I wanted that to change. But it hurts that it was my friend, at least I thought he was, and he was one who I thought would be a great leader. And now he's going to jail and won't get to be a creature handler, Stick Stankner said. The call to dinner sounded from the food wagons along the parade, though Keo's corps remained in camp until he and the link leaders had arrived. Form to attention, Keo called once he reached his place at the head of the formation. Stand at ease. Their faces showed confusion, interest, concern, many emotions. They knew one of their link leaders was under examination by the officers, but for what they didn't know, and now he hadn't returned. I'm sorry to say that link leader Poltice was the person who attacked Gilner, Keo said, and allowed them a moment to mumble and gasp. I didn't want to believe it, but all evidence that morning pointed at him. We set up a test, which he passed, and subsequently failed. He was feeding information to Vangold's corps and taking orders to try and disrupt ours. He went overboard and may have permanently injured trainee Panderstash. He's still unconscious. We could all feel bad about this, try to assume some of the blame, or point the finger at others, saying, if they had done this or that, but none of that is any good for us now. All we can do is pull together and strive for the excellence we have achieved before. Take tonight to feel bad, angry or judgmental. Tomorrow morning, when we get back on the parade, it will be back to work, and only a few more days until we arrive at camp. Go get some dinner. Cor, come to attention. Dismissed. Keo watched his corps leave. He felt a hand on his shoulder and turned to see Beecham beside him. 
She traced her hand along his back and patted his shoulder. You're really doing well, Keo, she said. Bree and Stick stood with her and nodded their agreement. Thanks, all of you. I need a new link leader, and I think the best man is in your link, Erendrea. I'll call him up at evening formation and give him his sword. Keo held up the training sword the lieutenant had given him after the trial, Poltice's sword. Let's go eat, Stankner said. Come on, Keo, I know it's not your way, but come eat with us. Sounds good, Stick, he said, turning toward the food wagon, but stopped. Kayleen stood between them and the wagon with her arms folded and anger boiling in her eyes. I'll catch up with you in a few minutes, Keo said, and followed them as far as the girl. Bree's face turned darker red than the sky at sunset. She glared at Kayleen, though the other girl didn't seem to notice. You're not arrogant, Keo. You're stupid, Kayleen said, pursing her lips, rolling her eyes and shaking her head. Don't hold back. Just tell me how you feel, Keo said, watching the backs of his friends as they proceeded to the food wagon. He turned back to Kayleen, with his hands held toward her as if in supplication. What was I supposed to do? Let that spoiled terp infiltrate my core and beat every one of them over the head with rocks? You don't see it, do you? It wasn't a question. You could have made peace, stepped aside, and let Storgant have his way. He would have forgotten all about you and just moved on. His way's not the right way, Keo said. That doesn't matter, Kayleen said, reaching up and putting her hands on his shoulders and shaking him with each of the words. That's just the way it is. She put her hands on her hips. He's not going to forget you now. He'll get back into leadership. That's the way it works with designate thirds. Storgant will make your life miserable. That's okay, Keo began. That's okay? Kayleen almost shrieked. Are you that stupid? That blind? Our whole kingdom is directed by the designates. They don't trust each other, but they'll unite against someone who oversteps his place. You and your designates and designate thirds have no idea what my place is, Keo said, and turned back toward the food wagon. He spoke over his shoulder as he left Kayleen behind. My destiny is my place, and what the designates do will either have no effect or the result will be in that destiny. If Kayleen said any more, Keo didn't hear. Thank you for listening to the Pariah Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you could help me out by going to iTunes and leaving a review, I'd love you for the rest of my life. Any kind of feedback to an author, producer, is more sustaining than food and water. If you'd like to know what else I've written, or am writing, stop by my website at norvaljoe.com or like my Facebook page at facebook.com slash Author. Philip with one L, Carol with two R's and two L's. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.